Hello, and welcome to Lessons with Dad. And today I'm here with my daughter, Ruthie. Hi. And, and we're also joined by one of our good friends, Liz Grace. What's up? <laughs> and as you know, we're going to be reading from the book of Luke today, chapter five. Uh, to begin with, Ruthie, can you give us an overview of the first four chapters of the book of Luke? So chapter one was about the birth of John the Baptist. And chapter two is the birth of Jesus. Chapter three was when John the Baptist prepares the way. And then four was <clears throat> the temptation of Jesus. And Jesus begins ministry. That's right. So we've gone from the, the predictions of the birth of John the Baptist and Jesus to both of them beginning their ministry. And so now Jesus has taken over and we're going to begin in chapter uh, five here. But before that, while we were talking before we got started, Liz Grace asked a question on why we're, we're reading the book of Luke. And I said, there's a couple reasons. If you listen to our first episode or first podcast, you'll hear the reason why. But one of the reasons we mentioned is I said that Luke had written one other book of the Bible. And Liz Grace, what? just take a guess. What Bible do you think that or what chapter or book of the Bible do you think that was? Philippians. <laughs> Which is a good guess. Philippians was written by Paul. Uh, and we'll read about that. Psalm. No, that's an Old Testament. So we're going to go, and he also wrote, Luke Check wrote it. the book of Acts. And so we're going to read both of those books I because they go together. They're written by the same person to the same person, Theophilus. And so those really tell the whole story, not only of the big, of Jesus's life, but then after his death and resurrection and the start of the whole church. So great question. And so we're going to start in chapter five. I'll kick us off and then uh, we'll go from there. So the book of... Uh, chapter five begins. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gesseret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've been working hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let, the net, let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus's knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. So girls, this is the beginning of chapter five, and it's the, the calling of the first disciples. So here you hear how Jesus went to Simon and then also to uh, the two brothers, um, the sons of Zebedee, right? James and John, and and really astonished them with, with a miracle and catching those fish. Yes. And so they, they stopped everything they're doing, right? Gave up everything and just walked away from their family, their livelihoods, and went and did and joined Jesus in his ministry. So it must have been powerful what they heard him say, as well as 
uh, an amazing to see a miracle. And, and obviously, just like we said before, when you see something amazing, sometimes it scares you. Jesus said to them, don't be afraid and told them now they're not just going to be catching fish. They're going to be catching men. So here, Liz Grace, if you can carry on with the man with leprosy there, chapter in verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. He said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be heard of their sicknesses. But Jesus of a ten often withdrew to lonely places and pray. Um, that's awesome. So thank you, Liz Grace. You're so welcome. it's really neat to hear what happened here. So do you, do you girls know what leprosy is? It's a, a disease, skin condition. Yeah. And worse than I mean, it was horrible. They, could, they really couldn't cure it. It would just, people had to go off and live in separate places, not around everyone else. Mm -hmm. So once you caught leprosy, you were an outcast. Yeah. And so everyone was afraid. Did you notice that Jesus did anything there that would have been different than what other people would have expected? What did yeah. Jesus do? He reached out and touched him. He touched him. I mean, that's amazing. You don't touch people that have something that you don't know how to catch or you know what or what might happen. Um, fix. Yeah. So really interesting that Jesus took that approach, mm -hmm. not only, you know, cured him, but was willing to touch him, yeah. which is, it, it. it's a different thing. And so it really showed people that he was different, but amazing because leprosy was incurable. And this man was cured of his leprosy. So, Again, just more miracles that Jesus is performing as well as healing people, not just spiritually, but physically. So, Ruthie, can you read from there? Which verse? Right here. Um, <laughs> one day as he was teaching Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Blasphemy. Blasphemy. Do you know what blasphemy means? <laughs> like a language? <laughs> like <laughs> what nonsense. Think? So no, it's so this was to the Jews was one of the worst things. It's saying bad things against God is it maybe a way to summarize. You're saying horrible things against God that God would think are just horrible. And they would often, you know, tear their clothes or do things to say, you can't say these things against God. God's holy and awesome. And to say bad things about God is like the worst sin 
that you could have or something that was wrong. So they think when he says, right, remember, this is the second time he said this, that, that he has the ability or that, you know, um, prophecy has been fulfilled in front of you today. So Jesus now, and, and just be clear on this, girls, this is important. One of the reasons we're reading through the Bible is grace is so that we, the, this series is entitled Know What You Believe. And we know what we believe by reading the Bible, right? Because we believe the word of God that comes through the Bible. And so many people often say, well, Jesus never said he was this or that. And we're going to see as you read the Bible, Jesus was very clear, crystal clear on who he was. Right here, he's saying, I have the authority to forgive sins. No one, no one says that. Right. Yeah. And so he stopped conversation here. He stopped. Everybody sits there. And like you, you can imagine, you would hear a hush come over the room. Your sins are forgiven. Well, first of all, here's a paralyzed man. Right. He's paralyzed. Mm -hmm. and this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I really love this because here's someone and it's either his friends or family or both. They're trying to get someone who's been paralyzed for their whole life to Jesus so that they can get him to Jesus to be healed because they, they care about him. There is, it's his friend, it's maybe their family, and they can't penetrate the crowds as they're having to carry him because he, he can't walk on his own. So imagine there's probably three or four people carrying him, maybe on a rug or a mat and one person on each corner, and they can't come through because they have to carry him to press through to get close to Jesus to have him healed. So they were so persistent that they couldn't get through. So Jesus goes in a house and what do they do? They climb on the roof tear off the roof, make a hole in the roof, and then they lower them down, which is awesome. I mean, you would hope that if something was wrong with you, that you would have friends or family that loved you so much that they would go to that length to put you in front of someone that they hoped could heal you. And so what this paralyzed man gets down there, he's in front of Jesus, and Jesus looks at him and does, does he say, like he did with the man with leprosy, you're, you're healed? No. no, he doesn't. What does he say? Your sins are forgiven. Exactly right, Liz Grace. Your sins are forgiven. Not what anybody was expecting. No one was expecting that. So not only did he shock the person and probably his friends, like they're going, why didn't you heal him? But Jesus looked at his heart and knew maybe he was bitter or maybe he had other things that was going on that he had sin in his life and knew he needed that more than he needed to be physically healed. He needed, to be, needed the grace of God to heal him from his sin. And so Jesus told him, your sins are forgiven. But then all the other people watching were in shock. Like, that's blasphemy. That's only one. They believed only one person had the ability to forgive sins. Yes. Right? Who, who has the ability to forgive sins? Jesus. Well, the Jesus, but God. God. God's it. So they believed God is the only person. So he's basically saying he has the power of God. And so what's interesting is his response here. So keep reading, Ruthie. I think this is just a, it's one of my favorite stories. It's so good. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? So so we'll stop right there because this is really neat. So he, he knows what they're thinking. And before they even say anything, he goes, I know what you're thinking. And so he asked them this question, which is easier to say, right? To say it, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk, right? Well, it's easier to say 
your sins are forgiven because nobody can see anything done, right? They just say, oh, your sins are forgiven. And well, yeah, you say they are, but are they really? But if you say, get up and walk, well, you're paralyzed. You can't get up and walk. He can't get up and and do that. And so what he's going to do, listen to what he says. He's saying that intentionally to set up, to show his power and what he's there to do. So remember, girls, when people say, well, Jesus didn't say he was the son of God, or Jesus didn't say he had these. Yes, he did. And here's a, a, a great example of how he said exactly who he was. Um, uh, but that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They are filled with awe and said, we have been, re- we have seen remarkable things today. Awesome. Thank you, Ruthie. So that's great, right? What did he say? We have, <laughs> take your mat, you are here, stand up, take your mat and walk away. So it's obviously more difficult to tell someone you're healed and actually heal them. And so Jesus said, to show you that I have this power, I'm going to heal you. And so that's one of the reasons that God gave Jesus the power to do miracles, to show that what he was saying was true and from God, right? That's an important point because some people might say, well, why, why did he have those powers? Why did he have those, the ability? Why did he do miracles? We did them so that people would listen and know that the message was from God, not just from a person. All right, let's grace continue, please. Okay. This is the calling of Levi. 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 After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting on his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to their disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteousness, but sinners to repentance. That's right. So here Jesus has gone and called. This is Levi, who becomes Matthew, right? And he's a tax collector. And again, Jewish uh, people that are in the church didn't associate with tax collectors. They were... Uh, bad people and they didn't want to be around them. But Jesus is around those people and he's saying, the sick don't need healing. Or I mean, the the well don't need healing, the sick do. And right. So he came for people that are sinners, not the people who think they're too good and don't need saving. And so he's telling people, I am here for the sinners, the people that are lost and want to repent. Not only was he going to be around them, he was going to eat with them and spend a lot of time with them because that's who he came to save. All right, Ruthie. Which part do I read? Jesus' question. Yep. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, Can you make the guests of the bridge room fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridge room will be taken from them. In those days they will fast. He told them this parable. 
No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it on an old one. If he does, he will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No new wine must be poured into new wineskins, and no one after drinking old wine wants the new. For he says, the old is better. That's right. So he talked at the beginning, the bridegroom, basically he's saying what the, the Pharisees and the teachers of law that were there, basically the people that were in the church, the Jewish church were saying, well, why are you celebrating and, and having all these feasts and doing this? You should be fasting. And he's saying, look, when you're in at, at a wedding, you celebrate. And he says, at some point, the bridegroom or Jesus will be gone. And, and when I'm gone, then you'll fast. But while I'm here, we're going to celebrate because the good news is here. So great uh, finish to chapter five and what we learned today. Liz Grace, thank you so much for joining us. Do y'all have any questions about what we learned today or the lesson? Um, let me think. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a question about um, where um, for the chapter, Jesus heals a paralytic. Yeah. Um, so it says that they went through the roof and lowered yep. him. Why didn't they just go through the front door? Well, probably imagine if you're having a big party or something's happening. People are crowding around because for a couple of reasons. One, there are a lot of sick people during these times. They don't have doctors and hospitals like now. Everyone wanted to get in and be healed. And not only that, they wanted to hear what he had to say. So he's sitting in this house and imagine people just crammed um, in shoulder to shoulder, right? As much as they can. And so they don't need to get just one person through the door. They need to get the four people that are carrying him and the person on the mm -hmm. mat. And so you just can't crowd through that many people with them. And so they had to get creative and find a way to get close. And you love the perseverance yeah. of those people and the friends to, to get them up and then probably find some rope and say, Hey, look, we're going to take some of the shingles off and lower them down. Mm -hmm. So just, just love that story and how not only how those friends really um, went and cared about their friend, but how Jesus really, one, looked into the man's heart and saw what he really needed, but two, said clearly who he was. So great question, though, Liz Grace, because Thanks. sometimes you wonder, there's a lot that goes on and we're going to have a session. Uh, one of my other daughters recommended having one on, hey, go over some of the things like who the Pharisees are, or some of the background around the Romans in that time. So we might do uh, a trivia day on one of our upcoming lessons. We might bring you back, Liz Grace. <laughs> I would love to come back. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. Adios.